Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. You're listening to Arrival Audio, recorded live at Arrival Bangkok 2019 and distributed here by Tourpreneur. In this roundtable, moderated by Dr. Mario Hardy, CEO of the Pacific Asia Travel Association, you'll hear leaders from Asia's most important tourism bodies discuss key trends in travel across Asia. Good morning, everyone. Namaste. Or Saudi Yes. <laughs> Welcome to Thailand. Who, who's actually visiting Thailand for the first time? A few? Welcome, and I hope you enjoy your stay. Um, let's go straight into it. I know that uh, many people here are actually dying to, to ask these questions about regulations. Yeah. We know, I know personally that Thailand and Singapore have regulations for our tours and tour guides. Um, how about Taiwan? Do you have reg regulations as well? Yeah. Yes, and does the Mekong countries, most of them also have regulations, I believe? The countries do. Uh, as the Mekong Tourism Coordinating Office, we work with the, the countries, with the ministries. So my question to you is, do you think that the uh, regulations we have today are up to date with the current industry? We're talking about experiences, we just yep. talked about foodies and food tours, and should it be changed? What we've actually done is uh, we did a, a quite a sweeping review recently, and last year we actually took some steps towards deregulation actually, um, in order to really try and cater to this disruptive economy um, and allow more experiences and businesses to flourish. So even though we play a regulatory role, I think we really want to be pro-business. Uh, so for example, some of the deregulation that we did last year, for example, was uh, we kind of introduced um, a, a new scheme uh, for travel, for tours, for example. So as long as they don't have a passenger carrying conveyance, if it's just a walking tour, <laughs> cycling tours, or kayaking tours, they don't, the tour operators don't need a travel agent license. And what we found was then it enabled a lot more uh, immersive, engaging experiences to really come about. And it's also enabled tourist guides, for example, in Singapore, to then enter into the business of uh, organizing some of these unique experiences to show off the destination. Uh, so we've actually reviewed and taken some steps towards deregulation, and those are just some of the examples that we've done. Uh, yep. Let's do a live poll in the audience. Who actually here thinks that actually touring activities and experience should be regulated? Raise your hand if you think they should be regulated. Only a few, maybe a dozen. Mm. You have to, for, for Thailand, <coughs> the regulation is still there, but create more, we, we create more options to the customer or to the tourists. We did training the local people, the local communities. We call them the good horse. The Kuhnholz is not exactly registered as a tour guide, but they got a very really good knowledge of their communities. 
of their products, of their food, or their everything in, in, the, in their local. We call them the, the good horse. And then the tourists can, can choose whether they you know, license to a guide, which actually will expert in terms of communication skill and everything. But the local people, the good horse, they might not have you know, a, a professional skill in, in terms of communication, because of their good knowledge. So the, the tourists can choose either license to a guide or the good horse, you know, which can give them a very good story, you know, good history of their community as well. So now we got two choices to the, to the tourists. In uh, Taiwan, yeah. do you have a program to actually support uh, tour guides, like training facilities or training programs for, for people who want to enter the market? Actually, tour guides are most important for, for my opinion. Tour guides are most important because they come, come company with the tourist whole day, maybe one week. It's very, very important. We have very good advertising, but in the end, tour guide is the most important. But uh, for, for me, uh, I have the uh, experience. Uh, Taiwan, we have the, a small town named uh, Tianzong, quite small. Not so many population, around 300,000 something. Uh. But they, they, they have the very interesting Mirazong, Mirazong uh, in, in Tianzong. Nowadays, very, very difficult to register, to join, because too many, too many tourists come from all the, all the world to Tianzong. Because in, in the entire, entire uh, Mirazong, local people, they stand, they stand all the way to cheer up you. And the tour guide, tour guide to introduce the, the Tianzong small town, local his, history, local uh, very traditional uh, cuisine. So, so many tourists come to Taiwan, they, they had a uh, very, very strong image. Town people, very hospitality. In so small, tiny town, the local people, local residents, they cheer up you, oh, you're wrong, oh, cheer up you. Then, then, then tour, tour, guide, tour guide can tell the tourist, Taiwan, this is Taiwan, all in one. We, we mobilize everything, mobilize everything. Not, not only tour guide cannot do, but the whole town we can do. Yeah, it's my experience now. Thank you. Actually, you bring up a, a topic which is at Pata we've been talking about for many years already, and, and Thailand has actually embraced this philosophy uh, a few years ago about the dispersal of tourism, yep. encouraging people to go and visit secondary and tertiary destinations yep. to uh, relieve some pressures on some of the really, really busy areas. And I know that Thailand has a great success in, with, with this program of the 12 hidden well. gems of Thailand and then 24 and 36, and every yeah, year it's right. adding more to it. Mm. But my question is, is also in relation to how, how do you prepare the locals? How do you prepare mm. the local market for the development of tourism in these lesser-known destinations? Okay, thank you. Um, yes, um, the lesser-known destination, or we might call emerging destination, is not only happening in the small city, but also in the big city as well. There are some part of the major city that have got very less numbers of the tourists. For instance, in Thailand, ladies and gentlemen, we've got 77 provinces allowed the nation out of 22, there are the major cities, 22 provinces around Thailand, and 55, they are the lesser known, we call emerging destination. 
and we look at the equality of the benefit of the tourist revenue, 22 cities, 22 provinces, they share over 85% of the revenue from the whole country. So that means they left only less than 20% to the 55 provinces around Thailand. So that is the, the idea why we came up of the idea of in terms of equalities of the benefit. What we do, we did training, yes, of course. We did training. We work hand-in-hand with Pata as well sometimes, and also some other destinations like Macomb and some other uh, organization. We train the local people. We not train them how to host the customer, but we train them to know, to understand what the customer wants. You know why? Because at the very beginning, um, the development of the local area, they, they, let's say, demolish everything. They build up the new toilet, build up the new house, new home, in the you know, modern style of the you know, bedroom. But in fact, we tell them exactly that the customer, they don't want the same, let's say, same well, environment when they stay in their own, their own country. But they're looking for something unique, something different. So be keeping their character, characteristic. Don't need to share anything, just knowing them on what the customer wants. That's one thing that we're really focusing on the training to local people to understand the tourists want. Do you work with the local tour operators also yes. to promote these destinations? Yes. Um, the local, we, we call them local DMC. We are destination marketing organization, but we work very close with the local DMC destination management company. Not only the local people, not only the local authority, authority but also the local DMC. We also work with the headquarters, you know, head office, big to a land operator, of course. But we work very close, training them, the local DMC as well. Yeah, I, I'd like to hear from Jens about some of their marketing. But just before, I, I'd like to hear from Singapore because uh, in January at ATF, I met with uh, Keith, your, your CEO. And uh, he also talked about the dispersal in Singapore. Now, Singapore mm. is a, a city state. Yeah. And then so you may wonder, well, how can you disperse people in, in yeah. such a small island? Yeah. But however, you do have congestions in certain areas. So are you, are you looking at organizing festivals or activities in different parts of town? Or yeah. what techniques are you using? Yeah, definitely. So I would say, Mario, we, we come at it from a different perspective. So we really look at engaging locals and getting local advocates to become our ambassadors for Destination Singapore. So we come at it from a different perspective. Um, when we launched, uh, when we really went about creating our new destination brand about two years ago now, um, you know, we really looked at the stories that the locals had to tell, what was the passion behind what they did, what was the success that led them to where they are today and how Singapore has really evolved over the last 50-odd years. And that's really how we came up with the brand that passion made possible. Uh, and so then we kind of identified who were some of our passion ambassadors, what were some key passion tribes that also resonated with visitors and potential future visitors to Singapore. So what we did was then we really, tr really try and bring them together. And right now we kind of have identified seven passion tribes. So people who are into food, food is a very big thing, right? Whether in Hong Kong, Singapore or Thailand. And we say, don't just eat, be a foodie. And then we really engage the locals who then come behind the scenes to tell the stories. So for example, now we have tours and experiences about the second generation hawkers. Uh, we have you know, nighttime uh, food tours, for example. Uh, so we come at it from that perspective in terms of wanting the locals themselves to be very engaged, to really want to tell the stories behind what they do, what inspires them. And we feel that that's what resonates with the visitors as well. And those are the type of stories they want to hear. 
And so in that sense, some dispersal, as you call it, would take place because it's not always in the city centre. Some of the stories would take them to the heartlands. Um, they would meet, for example, the, the people behind your provision shops. You would meet the locals. Um, and that's where the visitors want to hang out as well because then they, they go off the beaten trail. They hear the stories that, uh, you know, not they don't usually hear or they don't usually read about um, from, from travel magazines, so on and so forth. Uh, and so for us, that has been very effective and we feel that that not just engages the locals, but it keeps the visitors interested to learn more and more stories that they would not have accessed easily before as well. Jens, uh, Mekong Tourism last year organized a mini movies uh, festival or competition, which I thought was really, uh, really beautifully done. But how and you work with influencers around the world to create this campaign to promote the various uh, regions of Mekong or countries members of Mekong. But are tour operators engaging and working with, with the influencers in that level or should they be working? Or is there a me mechanism for them to work with you? And uh, <clears throat> I, thank you, Mario. I, I, think, uh, I think storytelling you know, is, a, is a great way to combine it also with visitor dispersion and, and Pata has done a great job to make visitor dispersion an issue in, in Asia. And I agree with uh, Jeannie, telling these stories of these, these small businesses uh, becomes very powerful. You know, I think a lot has happened in the tourism activity space or in destination space. And uh, I think we all have to thank uh, Douglas and Bruce and the arrival team for coming to Asia um, because I know it was, it's a, it's a bit of a risk to start a conference far away from the US, but I think um, this topic is, is very topical and, and very relevant here. Obviously, we have players like Kluk and Get Your Guide and uh, Air, Airbnb Experiences and TripAdvisor, but you also have other ones, uh, as you know, like Trip.me and, and uh, Take Me Tour in Thailand, um, that make it now possible for um, tourists and travelers to experience um, places uh, that were not even on the radar before, you know. And coming back to uh, the Mekong Mini Movie Festival campaign and, and our social commerce application, Mekong Moments, all we want to do is tell these stories of these um, social enterprises, of these new destinations that may not be on the radar today, um, but then through this visual content comes alive. And, and through that, I think it's very powerful and combined with these platforms uh, like Kluke and Trip.me and other ones, I think we can make a difference uh, in driving inclusive tourism, which I think is, is uh, as it relates to the Mekong Tourism Coordinating Office and the, the GMS, uh, our main mandate. Good, thank you. I, there's one or two other topics I'd really like to address, but also conscious of time, we have about 10 minutes left, and I'm sure that uh, many of you have got uh, questions you would like to ask. It's uh, rare opportunity to have a representative from the NTO here on stage. So if you have any questions, please raise your hand. There you go. One here in front. If someone can bring a mic, thank you very much. Uh, while we bring the mic, um, Something that also we're very passionate about at Pata is the sustainability and responsible travel. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something we hear more and more at uh, not only at conferences, but at discussions with uh, NTOs and as well as the private sectors. Are there any initiative you can actually share in your respective destinations that actually relates to how you work with tour operators and, mm -hmm. and, and uh, experienced organizers sure. to uh, promote sustainability and being more responsible? 
Okay, I can yep. start. Well, for sustainability, I think it's critical, right? You can't ignore it. It's not just a passing fad. Uh, and especially for a small destination like, like Singapore, for us to be sustainable many, many generations and years out, we, we have to take it very seriously. Uh, so we've done it from a few different angles. From the tours, I would say one key part of it is then telling the Singapore sustainable story. Uh, so for example, water. Um, you know, we, we do have tours around and experiences around the Singapore water story. How do we, you know, sort of uh, diversify our sources of water so that we don't no longer become dependent on necessarily importing water, for example. Um, and then on the the rest of the industry, well, we work with them through different programs. So, for example, on venues, the, the MICE organizers, what we've done over the years is to come up with our own sustainability guidelines. And then we've worked with our industry association, SASIOS, to then run an accreditation program that can accredit uh, an organization, be they an event organizer, a MICE venue, a hotel, or even a technology company, as long as they kind of embody and they kind of implement some of these sustainable practices, they can get the accreditation that we believe would be a useful asset in terms of promoting their business as well. Good, thank you. <clears throat> yes. So hello, my name is Maxim. I'm repre representative of iConnection company. I live in Phuket, 11 years already, and uh, I have a not comfortable question about the tour guide. Mm -hmm. uh, in Thailand or in other countries, same in Russia as well, uh, the, inter uh, how to say, the foreign people cannot be work the guide. Mm -hmm. uh, in Russian market, it's 1,500,000 tourists for one year. Yep. The old guide, the Russian, they work on legal. The Chinese market is more than Russian market. Korean, Indonesian, the local people cannot sp speak the Russian language, Chinese language, not enough. And my question for the government, we have to find some regulation to foreign people can work legal in, in, the, in Thailand or in other countries. Mm -hmm. I can share with you my experience, before I worked five years in Turkey, and they make, uh, how to say, uh, the student can come to Turkey for six months and work together with local people. And after five years, and now the Turkey, the local people working in market and they can share experience what the customer needed. Sometimes the local company invite me to to teach the local, local people to, to be guide, but it's not enough. They want to know the most story mm -hmm. and problem, the language. And I think we need to find now yep. some. You're right. Okay, um, you're right. Uh, exactly, that is the situation happened in Thailand and somewhere else in the world as well, as you just mentioned. Um, let me just ex explain a little bit about the Thailand tourism industry. We are the tourism authority of Thailand. We are the state enterprise under the Ministry of Tourism and Sport. We look after for the demand side. We, we do the PR marketing. But of course, our, let's say, another department called the tourism department and direct, directly um, report to the Ministry of Tourism and Sport. They are the, the government officer. They look after for all the, the response for all the um, surprise side, like license, register, rules, regulation, everything. But we work very close together. And that situation happened in Thailand, we agree. 
Uh, we try to solve that problem, but if we look at the laws, it's protecting by laws decades ago, I think more than five decades or six decades ago, written. And then they're, they're protecting some profession, some job, some occupation, some let's say occupation, you know, for Thai people only. One out of 20 jobs in Thailand is tour guide. And the less are hairdresser, hair cutting, <laughs> taxi driver, bus driver, that you never seen some other you know, nationality working in Thailand. We do agree that we should review that laws, but it's not belong to one ministry or one organization. It belongs to the cabinet, belong to, you know, the, well, the cabinet to, to approve and consider. But at this stage, what we try to solve the problem, of course, we did try really hard to training the tour guide in specific languages, like last year, China or some other languages, but it's still not enough. We're trying to use the technology, tech, mobile application, you know, to do the translation, to be an application to a guide. And we, 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 we thank you for that question, a very good question, and we're going to uh, report to our minist ministry in terms of the tour guide, lack of tour guide in Thailand. Thank you. We have time for one or two other questions. I see Douglas holding the mic. I think you may have a question. Yeah, I, I, if you don't mind, I'd just like to jump in with one question. I think initially, you know, for Jeannie, but I'd be interested to hear from all of the participants. So, you know, your, the passion program for tours is quite interesting, and you're choosing certain operators, but there are many more operators in Singapore than the ones that you've, you've chosen. Uh, so it, a national tourist office, an organization like any DMO, you're in an interesting spot. You have to be impartial, right, and support the entirety of the industry. But you're also making choices, and I think this also gets into a bigger question, too, for the big issue for DMOs that many debate around the world, which is do DMOs enable transactions? Millions of people come to your websites and are looking to find things and to buy things. So how do you balance or think about, and also for operators here, boy, I, I would like to be promoted. How, how do I do that? Well, you've raised many good points, Douglas, and I think it really stems from then what is the role of government in travel and tourism. And I think in Singapore, we believe STB's role, uh, a lot of it stems from industry development that is different from a lot of the typical DMO model. So we see ourselves beyond just destination marketing. We really see ourselves as an economic agency. Uh, we want to really grow the tourism sector from a revenue and a business model perspective. So with that, we're very aligned with businesses because as much as the business wants to flourish, we want them to flourish because we see that from an economic perspective. And then it's about identifying where there is market failure that the government should then come in because if the private sector is flourishing, there's no need for government intervention unless it's about consumer protection. Uh, so then when talking back to our passion tours, uh, it's really aligned with then the launch of our new brand, Passion Made Possible. And we kind of then looked at then, were there enough experiences and tours that really brought out the brand? Um, and that was also a feedback that was raised by a lot of the travel agents and the tour operators themselves. A lot of them felt that, you know, they, they needed some help and guidance in terms of being better able to tell the Passion Made Possible story for Singapore. 
So we've actually, on the industry development capability building side, we actually tied up with certain vendors to run um, a professional development course around passion made possible, around the storytelling, how do you better tell stories, how do you then look for the passion stories to then incorporate in your tourism products. And then when we decided to run a tour design challenge, we launched the first edition last year, and we're just in the process of doing the second edition this year. And we took people through a three-stage uh, process. So we really refer to it as the learn, we pitch, and then we pilot before they launch. And we kind of come in through every step of the way, and we open it up to all, right? Uh, so at the beginning phase, it's really about learning. We try and be that facilitator. We do the, that collaborative uh, role in terms of linking up tourist guides, tour operators. It could be platforms, technology companies. We have small businesses, we have attractions. Uh, we kind of learn about each other and to see where they see that potential tie-ups to tell stories. So for example, just recently, we, we focused on a, where we, an area where we saw an opportunity, which is the Muslim travel segment. And we kind of brought together people who would be in that space to see what were the stories that they had to tell and who were the people that could best put the stories together for them. Uh, and so we're going to move on to the next phase where we call the pitching phase. <clears throat> and then we'll get the guides or the tour operators to come and then pitch to us what are the tours that they have designed around this space, this opportunity. Um, and then, of course, we have a panel of judges. They're not just from us, but you know, we also involve external judges uh, to really then award the, the best ideas that come out of that pitch. Uh, and then we would then put funding towards those that we that have won the challenge um, to then pilot their tours and hopefully it takes off and they can then go to market and scale up from there. Uh, so we, we have to make choices because we only have limited resources, but that doesn't mean that anyone else with good ideas cannot come in. So it's just for this tour design challenge. And today we have over 30 odd uh, passion tours, as we call it, that help to tell the passion made possible story, uh, catering to the various passion tracks that I earlier mentioned. And I think, uh, I do believe they've been very successful and we will continue to identify new opportunities where we can have new experiences and bring in new players as well as established players to come together to see what are the new ideas and, and products that they can bring to market as well. Thank you. We, we're running out of time, but if I can ask uh, each one of you in, in 10, 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. There are many businesses here that are actually looking at Asia as their future market. They're not yet operating or are uh, planning to come here. What is your recommendations in a few seconds for them? Okay. I think nowadays, uh, NTO become, become, become to uh, a service industry. We, we will do our best to assist them for you. To, to, Travel operator, we we open open the gate. Uh, for for example, Russia now is the free visa to Taiwan. So welcome to Taiwan. And anything about Taiwan, please come to me, to my office. <laughs> See you yes. there. Thank you. <laughs> um, I guess I maybe just uh, comment quickly on, on Douglas's question in ten seconds. Um, so we launched something called the Experience Mekong Collection. Which, uh, where we curate uh, small, responsible travel businesses and social enterprises. It's an open platform. So any of these businesses in six categories, from stay, taste, shop, do, cruise, and tour, um, can apply. We have an advisory board. And uh, then on one hand, we it's a capacity-building platform where these small businesses can learn um, how to 
you know, kind of learn from these other innovators. And on the other hand, um, it's also promoting it on a consumer platform. We just launched a consumer website dedicated for that called experiencemekong.org um, to really drive these social enterprises. And we believe that these social enterprises make an impact, but it's like a pearl, you know, but if you string them together, uh, it becomes a necklace and that has a bigger impact for the region to be sustainable and responsible. Thank you, Jeannie. Well, we definitely want to welcome new ideas, new feedback, uh, and we are open to, to talking to you and seeing how we can be a part of your experience and your product and promoting Singapore as well. Yep. For Thailand, we've got um, 29 overseas offices around the world. So please, any close to your office, please, you know where we are, just, you know, went to your website, and then we've got 45 offices around the nation to work with the local as well. But one thing that I would like to focus today in the old days, our KPIs will always be the numbers of tourists. And then last year, we got 38 plus million international tourists visited to Thailand. And then in the past four or five years, we changed from the numbers to the, you know, from quantity to quality, to the revenue, to the income of the country. We increased about 10% in terms of revenue and then less than 10% for numbers, which is quite good. But in the future or at the present time, we are now under discussing among the top executives and also the stakeholders. We not only listen to the you know, voice of customer, we not listen to stakeholder only, but we listen to the nature. Of course, you might be familiar with the VOC and VOS system you know, process, while customer was of stakeholders, but now we, we listen to the voice of nature. Some waste management need to be you know, managed in some particular area. But above all, we would like everyone, if you would like to work with us, please come with the idea of the new KPI, which is not just return on investment, but it will be return on experience to the tourists, ROX or ROE, you know, please. We are not only focusing on the investment, but on the experience, what the customer will get or what the you know, local people can also experience and get a good experience. Thank you very much. Um, at PADA, our, our role is really to bring both public and private sector together. And uh, I think you've heard from all of them today. They're more than willing and happy to work with, um, with the private sector. So if you do want to work in this uh, part of the world, if you're not already yet, uh, do approach the local governments and national governments, and um, we'd be happy to assist. Thank you very much. Thanks to our panelists for joining us. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this session from Arrival, the only event dedicated to creators and sellers of tours, activities, and attractions. Head to ArrivalEvent.com to register for upcoming conferences around the globe. And for insights into the in-destination industry, head to Arrival.Travel.